In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born. Good men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode men in the arena we We salute salute you. you that was a joke we honor you guys for getting it done in the stress bubble of life we are in this arena together. Males retreat, but you've jumped into the fray of manhood, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you're making a difference, that you're getting it done, that you're not some anonymous, weak sauce, male masquerading around as a man, but you're a man getting it done today. We are pumped that you're subscribing to this podcast. So today, our goal is to call you in, call you out, and call you up to a higher level of manhood. So I'm Jim Ramos. And I'm here with our producer and mi guapo amigo, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I've used mi amigo before, but I threw in guapo. Guapo. Yeah, Muy that's bien. like Spanish for like fighting chicken or something. Simon. <laughs> Simon is not a Spanish word, dude. Simon, you keep using that word. it is too. It would be, I'm just kidding. It, means, we were it in, means Peter. When we were in Belize Simon means Peter. and our kids there were like, you don't know what you're talking well, about. So you're Belize dumb. is an English speaking nation. Uh, so yeah, and most of them speak Spanish? Spanish too. And they were like Spanish yeah. two, not three or four. Yeah, and they said that means yes. It's like slang for yes. Simon. We would, yeah, ask the kids in Mexico. It just sounds tell so you. close to the French language. I refuse to well, speak. Well, I'm it, a so. thug, so I know these things. You are a thug. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right, man. So how are you doing, buddy? Well, I'm uh, working on uh, rhythms in life. Tired. You want me to be honest? You want to talk You're on about the fourth. This? Yeah, because you can't say no to anything. <laughs> You're on the fourth day of the 21 Beachbody Challenge? Yeah. How's that six-pack coming? I'm feeling really good. I just sprinted up the stairs twice after going pee. Oh, that's why you were laying down up there. I I was wondering why you fell. Drinking so much water. Drinking so much money. I don't even know where my brain is right now. Drinking so much money. (laughs) I don't even know where that came from. I was thinking a little bit before that is, yeah, I do say yes to a lot of things because I have to make money. 
because I don't have just one job that supports the family. So I have to hustle and do like four different things to make it. So if our listeners out there could uh, sponsor a little bit more to the program. Yeah, if you're part-time <laughs> because our, we don't have donors. So anyway, I'm just kidding. We're gonna, hey, we're going to sell this ministry not because it's kicking butt and taking names and making a difference all around the country. We're going to sell it out of guilt and shame. Yes, so Dale can do one thing and do it awesome. Yeah, dude, we're going to go Catholic <laughs> Church on this thing. So anyway, sorry, my bad. My bad. That slipped out. Sorry, Grandma and Grandpa Ramos. <laughs> They're going to hate me for that. They're in heaven, so they uh, have to love me. Or they, oh, but hey, God other than that, up. it's good. Yeah, it's good. So life is, hashtag life is hashtag good, man. Again. Dude, hashtag stupid. Hashtag stop doing that. <laughs> Gosh, I'm serious. <laughs> It sound, it's got a good rhythm to it, but it just sounds stupid. You know what else has a good rhythm that sounds stupid? Songs in church they sing that say Sloppy Wet Kiss. Mm-hmm. I'm never letting that go until worship people around the world repent of their stupid lyrics and, and sing stupid stuff that is, men will want to hear. Stupid is a mean word. Stupid is a mean word. I would, ignorant? Ignorant? Unbiblical? Anyway, sorry. I think I've frightened people because people won't even talk to me about song lyrics anymore in churches. Right, they you know you don't like people don't like the old hymns, but those school old hymns were man, those are man friendly hymns. Those were like, those were awesome. Anyway, I'm not a hymn guy, but the words of hymns were manly. Can you sing that to me? I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. Are these two? What's going on there? That's so awkward to me. Who's that song about? <laughs> Peter, if you ever said that to me, buddy, you'd have a broadhead in your eye. <laughs> a throat punch. I promise you, Peter, I will never say that to you. That was a song well, they sing in church. They sang that in Dale's church last week. Wow, there's a lot of love in that church. <laughs> yeah, it's just man love. <laughs> love uh, special love. Yeah, sure. it's that special love that educators can't talk about because you'll get fired. <laughs> so anyway... Oh man! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the corner before I get in trouble. What, hey, I'm with my word? good friend Peter Mosby, and uh, Peter lives in. Oh, we don't have a man word. We have a man oh, word. Oh, I thought it was like that song. I thought you did the whole song. Okay, no, what's your man word? That would not be a man word. That'd be a man <laughs> law violation. I'm intoxicated by your beauty right here. Hashtag Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, this let's turn it around here. My man word for for this podcast is brave. 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 Uh, brave, brave. Why brave? Uh, just came because you I can't hadn't used cl- it. Yet. You can't say correct. There was courageous. there was nothing like spiritual about this one, or nothing at all. I just thought, yeah, brave. I don't know, man. dude. There's so many times in the Bible, God says, "Be strong and courageous." Mm-hmm. So I think bravery. You know, I did a. I don't know if you know this, Dale, but I did a word study about 15 years ago, and every time the word courageous or brave was used in the Bible. And do you know, this is something people don't realize, do you know that courage is not a spiritual gift? It is not a fruit of the Spirit. It is not something in the Bible that God ever gives a person. It's something that God tells them to lay hold of, to take, to grab onto, to hold. Courage is something that God commands men to do. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. So a brave no. man is not brave because God instilled bravery in him. A brave man is brave because he made a choice to take it and to do it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That really inspired that cool. me. Yeah, I, I love that, man. I, I, get, I, I get a word I love picture that. of that movie where that soldier was like, uh, that just came out here recently, where the soldier wasn't going to take a gun, wasn't oh, going to shoot, yeah, and he ran Saw Ridge. Yeah, and he ran Just one more, Lord. Yeah, just would go in there and grab the people and bring them out. It's like, dude, 
you got to be either be crazy or brave. Dude, so Peter, you're going to love this story. So uh, I got my buddy Peter Mosby on the phone here, and I'm going to read his bio in a second. But Peter, you know, uh, we've been exchanging stories here. So you sent me your caribou picture of your do-it-yourself caribou hunt, yeah. and I mm-hmm. sent you the archery elk I killed that was actually a private land hunt with a friend. But after I shot this elk, I hit him uh, hard quartering away, and I hit him you know, through the guts, and he came out. Uh, on the backside rib before in front of that front shoulder and and double lunged him and killed him after a couple hundred yards. But it was interesting. He wasn't bleeding. So I I found my first drop of blood and I went hacksaw Ridge on that thing. I was like, just one more Lord, help me find just one more. So I got to six feet and I found one more. Okay, Lord, one more drop of blood. (laughs) And so I got to three drops of blood and I couldn't find any more. Well, my buddy said, Hey, let's go down because I saw where this thing went, and they actually found him just right below us there, uh, dead. But I was just I went hacksaw ridge on the bravery thing there, Dale. So I appreciate that. So anyway, <laughs> so let me read your bio, Peter. So Peter is a uh, uh, fifty years old. So Peter, welcome to the fifty club. Oh man, I don't look it though. Let me tell you. So I know you look way younger, man. I'm fifty one. <laughs> I, I look like sixty five. Too much outdoor. Yeah, you got to wear that sunscreen, man. Don't you listen to your wife? Oh, oh, trust me. I listen, and sometimes I hear. Uh, that's yeah. That's my wife says that to me too. I know you hear me, but are you listening? So, yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna move on from there so we don't get in trouble. So, so Peter. So uh, Peter's been an elementary school principal for. Uh, wait, you are an elementary school principal now. Yes, four years now. Oh, I thought you were a middle school principal. Oh no, I'm a, I'm elementary. Oh, that's, that's where it's at. Oh, dude, we need to talk about this because. We need more men in the elementary schools. I agree. You know, so. my school has more men than any other elementary school in my district. We have the highest percentage of men. Okay, I'm going to come back to that for in a second. So you were also yeah. a high school principal for five years. Yes. And you were a high school assistant principal for three years. Yep. And yes, a math sir. teacher for 15 years. Yes, because so that's, it, that's, I love math. I love teaching kids. Wow. It's interesting that you have went from high school to elementary school principal. That had to be strategic. Well, I'm not going to say it was strategic on my part. I'm going to say it was strategic in whatever God's big plan was, because I was what I thought before I actually realized what a man really was. Um, My entire career at secondary as a principal and so on. I wasn't, I wasn't a man yet. I really didn't really grasp what that meant. Uh, it wasn't until, you know, I had a, uh, hard conversation with my wife, Susan, and, and, uh, she gave me guidance or had been giving me guidance, spiritual guidance, being strong till I finally, finally find out what that meant. And then I realized if I really want to make an impact on some, on kids, which has always been my lifelong passion, I have to go down. I got to get into the elementary. And by God's grace, that's exactly where I landed. And it is the best thing I have ever done professionally. That is really cool, man. And now, did the Great Hunt for God impact that journey? Because I know you're on a team for a while. Yeah. Oh, the Great Hunt for God, I tell you what, is an amazing program. Because what it does, it it brings a group of individuals together. And this is what it did for me. A bunch of men together who have maybe have like mind, maybe they don't, but everyone can relate to what's being addressed in the great hunt for God. And the use of, for example, uh, symbolism of using guardrails. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a, what a great visual 
to help each of us when we are going through it together uh, and afterwards to to really be able to bring in the focus, okay, what do I need to do to keep me on path? What are my challenges that I personally have? Because everyone has their own struggles. Um, and what kind of guardrails can I build to help me stay on the true path that uh, we need to be on? What's wow. best for us? What's best for our wives? What's best for our kids? And so it was, it was a wonderful experience. It actually reinforced and brought in line you know, my beliefs and how I could better, uh, be action, be in action to, um, meet what God wants me to be. That, you know what, uh, I'm going to actually, you're going to love this, Peter. We're going to actually, uh, I'm thinking about changing the guardrails and calling it rip cord arrow rests. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I'm like, why did I, I went to this rip cord arrow rest when I hunt with the bow now. And I'm like, yeah. why do I need this huge wall go protecting my fletching? And then I saw a 300 class bull, and I started shaking so bad. I learned out real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so maybe for the hunters, we'll call it the rip code arrow rest rules for men. So anyway, uh, too uh, funny. So you live in Aurora, Colorado. Yes. And uh, you've been married 13 and a half years mm -hmm. to your to wife, Susan, you Susan. said. Susan. And then you Susan. have uh, Susan. And so you have Tristan, who's 21, who swims at the University of Hawaii. Wow. That's impressive. Correct. Tanner, yeah. who lives with his mom in California. So these are from the first two marriage, correct? That was the first marriage, yeah. Okay, the first marriage. Then the second one is Chaz from Susan. you and Susan, Harry, and Lucia. 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 And she's yeah. the she's she must be the one that's always got these dead animals in her hand, like fish and turkeys and like she's a killer. <laughs> Is that her? You know, I, I she's actually she's actually a passionate lover of animals. But <laughs> they're delicious. <I'm> exactly. Just... <laughs> when you ask her, hey, hey, Lucia, this I, I've been doing this since she was she was like four. I said, Lucia, what's your favorite food without missing a beat, dear? Oh, that's comes funny. right out. When she was in kindergarten, they had this thing where all the kids had a plaque, and on the plaque, it's one of those old plaques that you write with chalk. And they took a picture of all the kids holding this plaque, and it said what they wanted to be when they grow up. And this is kindergarten, and then they put the picture of all the kids on this big giant poster. And you know, this is uh, in a very um, conservative neighborhood or whatever. And oh, yeah. so. There's my daughter. You know, you look at everybody and you see fireman, um, princess, uh, doctor. And you look at my doctor, hunter. <laughs> well, it's funny because there's a picture. We just pulled up a picture with you and her. And it looks like it's you and your 190 class buck that you shot a couple years ago. And oh, she's, yeah. she's it's the mount of the buck and she's super excited. So, man. She, well, <laughs> she's my good luck charm. She goes with me nonstop. We were just pronghorn hunting last night. I have a picture of her hunting with me pronghorn. Every picture she's hiding behind a bush because we're trying to hide from the pronghorn. Yeah. And since she was five years old, I have a picture every year because her birthday is September 2nd. That's right in the middle of archery pronghorn. What do you want to do, honey, for your birthday? I want to go hunting. So now yes. you said that. So now I was under the impression that she was actually the hunter last night. You were the hunter. I was the hunter. You have to be 12 oh. before you can hunt big game in Colorado. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, but she's so in Texas. She shot her first deer when he was she was seven. Oh man, that's awesome! That's right. You have that yeah. Texas place. So, well, hey, I'm going to yep. move into this uh, man. We could talk about hunting forever. Yeah, uh, I know. And so I haven't seen you for a couple of years. So I feel like we can talk about this for 
ever. Anyway, but I want to move you into what we call our rapid fire round. Okay, that was our M60 there. Anyway, last podcast he did a, uh, it sounded like, I thought it was a Gatling gun, but he called it a something else. What'd you call it? It, it was, sounded like a robot shaking, it, Yeah, but whatever. It had, two, it had two batteries operating it. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't a real and gun. And it was just okay. spewing. So, hey, well, we're going to start off with uh, Peter, just so our people can get to know you. And uh, you're already loose and ready to rock and roll. But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to move you into what I call my philosopher round. So these are just some questions right. about your life that uh, our, our guys can get to know you a little bit more. So here we go. Number one, what's on your heart right now? Oh, what's on my heart? Um, I've been remodeling the kitchen in the uh, mudroom for my wife, Susan, and um, just getting that done because it's amazing what stress can do to a family. And even mm. though it's an awesome project and it's what she's always wanted, it's going to be a blessing when it's behind us. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's we. I've got the list and the list does create stress. So number two, who's your greatest hero and why? John Wayne, John Wayne, the, the, um, the character he, uh-huh. when you watch his, his watches his movies, he's, he's the hero. But he's a hero who's not trying to be a hero because he's being what I think is a man. He's he's humble. Uh-huh. He's strong. He has great, strong moral values. And he's always there to fix a wrong or to help somebody. He's always uh, after the underdog. It, what was that movie, The Searchers? Oh, gosh, is that what it was called? Where he's... Oh, that was with the kids. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the one where he's going after his oh. lost sister. What was that called? Anyway, that was a great one. She was captured by an indian tribe oh yeah, yeah. and then the kid with the, the kids that was one of his later films that was later when he was yes definitely when you know he was older probably like yeah. 50 i'll tell you yeah like 50 <laughs> yeah don't even rub it in well true grit is still epic that's right i mean they made a second movie out of that and it wasn't even near as good as the one of john wayne so because it's john wayne it's john wayne <laughs> so well what's your all-time favorite quote do you have one uh yeah actually i have it right here on my desk and i my uh, staff have it. I should say my secretaries, they have it in the front office hidden, but it's life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that is so it's, good. Did I blow up the mic just now, Dale? I'm oh, sorry. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. So, so guess who said that? Uh, Woody Allen. I don't know. John Wayne. John, John Wayne. Wayne. Oh, John I should have Wayne. known that. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I said, well, I don't even like Woody Allen. Anyway, I just it sounded like something <laughs> he would say. So I came from Satan. But, okay. but you got to think about that. You know, I'm in education, and some people might say, wow, what what is that all about? But it's, you know, life is hard. It's harder for stupid. But stupidity isn't an IQ rating. It's not an IQ test. Agreed. It's just it's about being it's about being knowledgeable. It's about being knowledgeable. What's the difference between right and wrong? Yeah, and I was going to say wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. Yeah, and it's about knowing and listening to that. Every person has it has that voice inside when they know what they should do, and then actually doing what they should do rather than ignoring it and doing something else. Yeah, that's called foolishness versus wisdom. Yeah, that's that's what a great quote for an educator to have because it really <laughs> makes people think. Okay, what? And I was yeah, thinking, most, is it is it deep. more hard or harder? Is it more is it grammatically correct to say harder? But it's John Wayne, so whatever it is, 
He's like the Chuck Norris of like the seventies. So who cares? <laughs> right. Hey, if John Wayne said it, it is correct English. Uh, that is that is correct. Hey, here's a here, here's a more serious question, man. And I know, yes, I know you've got some things in your life where you kind of go back and go, hmm. You know, we all have those things. But if you were to go back to thirty years, man, to twenty, your twenty year old self, what advice yeah. would you give that guy? Um, my twenty year old self, I would tell, find your faith again. Go mm. back to the church. Find a church. Mm doesn't have to be some specific denomination find a church um and then be honest with yourself and others and use the church and the people in that church to be not only guides but your support oh man i love that because when you say church you you kind of corrected yourself you said and the people in the church because that is the church it's the people in the, the church. church and it's the exactly. the truth that you uh, are taught in the church. And so that's, you know, and it's really funny. We did an interview with a guy named Josh Robinson about a month ago, maybe a month ago. And uh, his interview was, he's a 29, I think year old man. And he talks about his stupid years from like 16 to 23. And he really struggled through those years and Mm -hmm. he's really come out on top at those, you know, if we can help young men find victory and not have to suffer through the stupid years, you know, you don't have to have these train wreck experiences you know, to to have some story when you're 40. You can actually make choices and avoid those things, you know. True. So that's just tough, man. Okay, so here's a here's a here's a real fun question. I love how guys answer this question. So, let's say I gave you $20,000. I had two caveats. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can't take in you can't, here you go. Here they are. You have to take your wife, Susan. She has to go with you. And you have to go on a vacation. So it's $20,000 for vacation with your wife. Where would you guys go and what would you do? I would go wherever she wants to go. Dude, I would. There is no way that I could pick something. It'd be wherever you want, honey. And, and I'd be yeah. stoked to go for that. That is so good, man. I mean, we've, we had one gentleman on the, on the, the podcast who said, uh, I don't know. We never go on vacation. And I thought, Epic fail. Ooh, yeah. And he was a pastor. Uh, Ooh, so yeah, epic, epic fail. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, but most of the guys say something that would relate to the wife. Uh, we had Mike Stepper on a couple weeks ago and he said, uh, go to Nashville or somewhere or <laughs> somewhere music, someplace very mu- musically oriented because his wife loves music. You're saying wherever my wife goes, you know, I know that if I were to say, Okay, I'm going to give you twenty thousand dollars, Peter, but you have to go on a hunting trip and you have to take Jim Ramos. <laughs> so I have a feeling your answer would be different than what you just gave me. <laughs> oh. oh, it'd be way different. Yeah, and so that's what yeah. makes a marriage work, man. So hey, I want to be—I want to get into the interview. Are you ready for the interview questions? Uh, just a you podcast, I, I, you know. And this will be really easy and fun for me. I hope it's. A lot of times you have guys on that you really connect with. It makes yeah. it tough on our listeners because we're talking about stuff we enjoy and they may not enjoy it. But I just want to yeah. draw attention to something that you did not write in your bio at all. But in, I think, 2011 or 12, you took second place on the reality show that Outdoor Channel put out called The Total Outdoorsman. Is that correct? Did I miss the year or miss the channel? Uh, it was the um, – I was actually um, blessed enough to um, be on The Total Outdoorsman competition field yes. and streams total outdoorsman um uh, five stream. times 
Field and Stream. So is that a channel, Field and Stream TV channel? No. The the name of the show was Field and Stream Total Outdoorsman Channel. And they had these competitions that spanned 10 years, uh, 10, different, 10 different years where they had regular Joes, regular people in outdoors, men or women, that competed against each other in multiple levels, uh, multiple um, focuses. There was, there was fly fishing for trout. There was bass fishing for smallmouth, for largemouth, shooting rifles, uh, pistols, ATVs, endurance, um, archery, just the whole plethora of the outdoors, building a fire. And, um, and it was a fantastic experience because I got to hung out with, 10 to 15 guys that all love the outdoors like I did. And so you said and it spanned five years though. So was that one competition? It's, it's it was, uh, every year they had a champion for 10 years. And then on the 10th year, they invited all the, uh, the best of the best they called it. And I was just lucky enough to be asked to be on that show for the best of the best. And I took second in that competition. Oh, wait a second. Okay. So now you just raised my man crush level on you even higher. So, (laughs) so you're saying of one, you were on one of the seasons and you won it. No, actually I had never won the whole season. Oh, you didn't. I never took first, but I always took third or top five. I was always there. There was one year where I, um, was crushing everybody and then when i got to the archery i had something happen with my bow and i missed every shot and so i dropped down and i took fifth overall in that year and you know you know those those things happen um but uh i think i i assume i was selected because i always performed consistently and um i don't know maybe maybe they thought i smelled good i don't know well, you'd be doing better than Dale over here. So, so, so you took. Okay, help me out. I'm just trying to track with you here. So you yeah. took fifth over. Okay, so in any given season, how many contestants? I think there were like 15 or 16. So you always finished in the top five, uh, except for my first year, I did not. And I how... probably was. I can't remember. I was probably seventh or eighth or something, and then I had to requalify to come back. So how many seasons did you compete? Five, you said? I think it was five. So you competed for five seasons. So you competed four seasons, and you finished high in all of them, and then your fifth one you competed in was the kind of the best of the best. Yes, that was the title of it. Oh, it was actually the title. Wow. Yeah, best of the best, Field and Stream, Total Outdoorsman Challenge, and and, you know, I'm going to tell you, all these guys, anyone could have taken first. Yeah. Okay. It was just, it was a lot of combination of luck. Um, the wind didn't gust at that time and throw your arrow off. Uh, on top of that, you, uh, I've been humbled so many times. It was, it was just luck being at the right place at the right time. And on top, if you, I can think of so many people that I personally know that would have done better than me. But they just, they didn't, they weren't on the competition is all. So even though I took second and it's, I feel honored that I took second out of that group of guys and women that I competed against because they're all phenomenal. uh, That really, I don't think represents the quality and people that are out there and outdoors who uh, they're amazing. I was just lucky 
to be in that situation. That's really what it's about. So, but you made, okay, you said a couple things that I'm just going to kind of talk about. You said that you were, you know, that there are many people that are more qualified or who could have done a better job than you, but you were actually one of them that were on the show. So, so when I, in life, I see a lot of guys that are better than me or better than you or better than Dale. The problem is they refuse to get in the arena. They want yes. to stay in the stands. So, yeah. I mean, so what what made you different was your willingness to actually, I don't know, go through the application process. I mean, there, you didn't just randomly show up. Somehow you had to apply for this, right? Yes. I, I mean, I, I had to make an effort to just get in my foot in the door. Um, I, I submitted an application because they didn't have any qualifiers the very first year when I did it out here in the West, it was mostly out East. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, I stepped up, I said, I could do that. And, um, they liked my application and I sent in some funny photos of me in the outdoors and they thought that was humorous. And so that's the reason I guess I was selected the initial time. Wow. And so fast forward to now. So you are, yeah. a, you are, uh, you've been upgraded to an elementary school principal, uh, in a, a female dominated world. So, is that a true statement when I say in elementary school education is a female dominated uh, world or am yeah. I false? No, no, you're, you're uh, spot on. Okay. You're so uh, in my, my, my favorite elementary school teacher ever was a guy named Mr. Penley. I had him for third grade and I had him for third and fourth combination. And I had another guy, two more male teachers in fifth and sixth grade. And to me, I was very, very fortunate. So uh, my sons had one, uh, there was no, there was no, there were no male teachers in their schools. Thankfully, they had a male principal and then a male PE teacher. So they did some interaction. But so, mm-hmm. so what do you do? You're a leader. Uh, you're a leader. You have how many teachers in your school? Fifty. Uh, I have many. about sixty-four, sixty staff members. That includes holy cow, um, educational, the EAs, the educational assistants, and and everyone in my building. And how many men? teachers so i am i have more men in my school than i believe any other school in the district uh i think we have about nine men in my school whoa and that's whoa yeah so i'm gonna go back to a quote you said earlier i just got lucky so did you just get lucky or were you strategic well i hire the best person that's going to fit that job. And it doesn't matter if they're yeah. a man or a woman. Agreed. That's the bottom line. Um, what I was blessed in is I had men that were interested in working here. And that's why I was able to choose the best person. And they just happened to be a man. Yeah. I I'm, I'm totally tracking with you there. Now, did you, do you think that part of that was, uh, you as the leader was appealing? I mean, I'm just process because what somehow, you, you gave an answer that was, uh, I, I don't want to sound weird, but you gave an answer that I would expect you to give. It's It was fairly generic. It was politically correct. You know, I don't want you to get in trouble because you can't say I hire men oh, oh. over women. Uh, but, I mean, somehow these guys are attracted to this school more than any other school because they could apply anywhere. So what 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 gives? What, what are you doing differently that has created a culture that men want to work in? Uh, you know, I think it's... The way that I interact with my staff, all staff, is I'm very transparent. Uh-huh. Um, I'm also 100 percent, pardon me, 
I'm also 100% um, supporting them. Take a challenge. Try something different. It's okay if you fail. We're going to learn from the mistakes that might occur, and we're going to we're going to excel with the successes that we have. I'm also like, I, I'm not punitive at all. Uh-huh. Everyone makes mistakes. Uh, if family first, that's yeah. my number one rule here with my staff. Family first. The school will still be here. We will find a ways to support you if if things are going on. Um, it's, I, I think that and the community that we have here and the and the culture that we have at my school. I gauge the way I rate my day, how many hugs that I get today. And uh, uh, yeah. if I'm less than 20, I'm having a slow day. So hugs from kids or staff? Kids, yeah. Oh, okay. It'd be weird if it was staff. Yeah, I was like, I was trying to process that. That's super. So you're, so you're not a standoffish principal. You are the guy that the kids know. They all know you. Oh, they, yes, they all know me. Yep. Uh, hands down. Um, Mr. Knuckles high fives. Uh, I eat lunch with a different group every day, unless I'm out for meetings. Um, I try to go out and throw the football or play kickball with them when I can too. And, uh, I'm in the classroom as much as possible. And I, I just love, I just love being in the class because I love teaching. Now you're Uh, six, four or five, six, five. Now six, five, two, 20. Now were you a college athlete? Uh, Pete? No, um, I was an intramural athlete. Oh. College intramurals. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I take so, that back. I was I was on a rest, I was on the wrestling club. I wrestled from third grade uh, through high school, and then wrestling club for a year. And then you know after that, I was in you know flag football. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And now, did you graduate you know, from? Are you where are you from? Where'd you graduate high school? Uh, high school, Evergreen High School. Where's that? Oh, is that in Washington? No, actually, it's right up the road from Denver up in the mountains. Oh, because there's an Evergreen High School in Washington. We played them in football one year. I'm, I'm sure there's an Evergreen High School everywhere there's trees. So. Yep, anyway, probably also, where there's trees. So do you think then, Peter, you, you said earlier that that you encourage your people to take risks. Okay, two yeah. things. By your people, are you talking about your staff or your students or both? I'm both. Okay, so both. don't you think that you being on this Total Outdoorsman thing for five years, don't you think that modeled it? Don't you think that uh, that had to have modeled this for your students and staff? I mean, it had to have. Well, I think it has an influence for sure because, and they, and people think, you know, that was really cool that I did that. But, uh, but I, you know, I continue to model that here all the time. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, you know, an example is uh, I, okay. So I was outside and we're doing a big barbecue. All the families there, and all the people are there. I'm walking away, and one of my staff members, and they go, "Hey, Mr. Mosby." I go, and I turn around, I go back, go, "What's up?" He goes, "Do you know you have a hole in your pants?" I go, "Excuse me," and I had a rip down the crack of my rear pants, all the way down, and you could just see my underwear. Good thing I didn't have any holes in my underwear. And you weren't going commando. And, and I was not coming. Thank goodness. And I go. I go, what? And she goes, oh, I thought you already knew that. And I'm going, I would be walking around like this if I did. And so they're all laughing. The PTO ladies are there, and they're all laughing. And then um, uh, I said, okay, well, I, does anyone have any pants or shorts that I could use? And and uh, and so the PTO says, well, we have these um, these sweatpants. And I said, oh, that'll be perfect. So 
I put on the sweatpants and um, they are throwbacks to the seventies. You know, those tight things that you used to wear. Oh, yeah, Plus you're six, five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I definitely looked way dorky in my dress shirt and my sweatpants. So, you know what? I played it up. I pulled my, I pulled my sweatpants up so you could see my big black socks. And oh baby, go shirt. Urkel on that thing. Oh man. And I walked around <laughs> and I was like saying hi to all the parents still. And they're just laughing and and I guess I just model is like you know, you you just gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. Um, you 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 can't try to make everything positive, um, and make the best of what you're given. And I think that's that's kind of like how I roll here. Well, and I and, also support yeah. my staff. Well, and you talk about the you know I just was watching you know you and I were communicating over our recent hunts. You had somebody yeah. fly you into the middle of nowhere in some tundra land in Alaska with nothing but an arrow, a bow and arrow and a backpack. And you were dropped off there for a week and hunted. That, yeah. that sounds risky to me. Well, I had three, there were three other guys. Did they have anything also. but arrows? Um, one of them had, one of them brought arrows, but um, he ended up moving to a rifle because uh didn't have a chance to shoot one after three days. Okay, so you did have a but rifle because you're in bear country. I didn't have. I didn't have. A, oh, I had a cannon of a sidearm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw a rock at it. Uh, yeah. Um, trust me, I had a. I had something that I had a 45, but it was a special ammo, thousand feet per second at the muzzle, a 280 grain. Um, and it would have hurt them enough that they probably would have only eaten half of my leg. I've never heard of it. Uh, I shoot two thirty grain forty five. I've never heard of a two eighty grain. Yeah, it was. Um, wow, that's magnum. I got some. I got some special ammo from a connection that I have. <laughs> oh man, but that's still. You're in the middle of. How far are you from the yeah. closest town? Um, one hundred and twenty eight miles. Yeah, so something goes bad. I mean, I would say that's risky behavior. Well, yeah, it was it was risky it was risky behavior. But so, what do you do? You know, life is risky behavior. Um, uh, practicing or preaching uh, uh, the word of God is risky behavior. So, what do you do? You you go in prepared. What and are you What are you preparing for? Well, when I'm at caribou hunting, I was preparing for the elements. I was preparing for dangerous wildlife. I was preparing for taking opportunity when given to me to hopefully harvest an animal. And so that means I had the right gear. I had the right mentality. So you had to plan for every contingency. Yes, that was foreseeably possible. Yes, is exactly what I did. So what was that plaque in your office? What does it say again? Uh, Oh, I forgot what it says already. Something about stupid. Oh. uh, (laughs) Life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Exactly. So life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Okay. So this is really good. This is really good because I think that a lot of guys listening to our podcast struggle with risk. They're living in a stress bubble. They're going to work faithfully. They're coming home. They're maybe coaching their kids sports. They're loving their wife to the best of their ability. But what happens there, Peter, is was is that guys lose something during those stress bubble years of let's say, well, you're in them as well. Uh, you know, from you know, 25 to 55, let's say, when they have kids in the home, they, they lose the edge. They lose that ability to take risk. And so uh, in an effort, you know, they're, they're, they're growing and they're learning, but they're, they're losing that ability to take risk. What would you say to those guys? 
I say they need to become a gallo. They need to become the fighting cock, fighting rooster. <laughs> El Diablo. <laughs> Talladega Nights. <laughs> it's El, El Gallo. That's how you say it. You guys were talking about that earlier? Yeah. That's a fighting rooster in Spanish. El Gallo? Uh, they, El Gallo. I love it. Uh, I love it. I love it. So, well, yeah. And, and so that means they've got to be brave, like you referenced earlier as well. And that's something they got to step up to and take that responsibility and take those risks. But taking a risk, you have to be smart about it, too, as in you got to be prepared for the risk and try to plan for any possible contingency. Otherwise, you're going to stagnate. You're going to become um, depressed, bored, uh, unfulfilled. And then being the, you know, being the leader of your family, of, of, of your community, of, of whomever you hang out with, it, it, it uh, bleeds off to them. It, it uh, radiates off of you. So I believe men acting as men, others respond and gravitate towards you, but also um, gravitate with you and they pick up your momentum and they uh, help carry whatever message you're giving or leading. And if that's a negative message, that's what's going to be carried. And if it's a positive message and if it's something that you're practicing you know, like what I do, working with kids and parents here every day in the most interesting situations you can probably imagine, what would what would Jesus do without saying the word Jesus? But I'm practicing, and I'm still practicing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. You know, it's really interesting, Peter. It seems to me when we launched The Great Hunt for God, we launched it with—we just launched it with no—we didn't have venture capitalists. We had nothing. We just went for it. And it was really yeah. interesting. We saw men rally to our cause— but the men will only stay involved in your cause if they see you winning. So what I've learned is that men want to be around winners, and they mm-hmm. want to be around risk takers. You know, last two nights ago, I rode mountain bikes with a friend of mine. We've had a huge uh, rainstorm came through Oregon. Uh, we were we were in the middle of this cloud on a mountain bike ride, and it was pouring, and the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour. And I thought, you know what? This is miserable. But this is just what it's about. Last night, I went on a six-mile hike. I'm training for this wilderness backpack hunt. So I did a 35-pound weighted hike for six miles. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is the stuff that that men need to be doing. Not necessarily hiking or biking, but doing things that are uncomfortable. Doing things that will uh, take that soft, rounded edge off and, and help them to be sharp and hardened uh, by uh, that risk. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to have that Definitely. eye. You're 50 years old, man, so you're still getting it done. You're still, you've got that eye of the tiger. What are some things that you are doing now? I mean, you mentioned a few, but what are some things that you're doing now, that you know, habitual things, routine things that are helping you to to maintain that eye of the tiger as you enter into your 50s? Well, one of the things that I do, and I've, I fell off during the summer being distracted with life, Mm-hmm. Is get and now I'm back into it. Is every day just trying to touch base with the word, mm-hmm. just trying to listen, or, uh, like on my way to work, or uh, take a few minutes during the day where I shut the door and I just read a little bit from the Bible. Yeah, um, I have a reading uh, Bible plan that I also try to help motivate me or guide me to give him, give me some you know direction. Mm-hmm. So that's something I try to do every single day. Uh, I also try to stay healthy by working out. Um, 
like, you know, taking your backpack uh, excursion to get in shape like what you just did. Uh-huh. I guarantee if, if I'm not working out and doing something physical, then I start blah. I start feeling like blah. Yeah, totally. But, you know, you know, I, I, I do something physical and really feel like I'm being productive. Then psychologically, besides uh, physically, I'm in a much better state of man- mind. Yeah, totally. The, and the other thing is, and this is the hardest one. But I, every single night, I try to reflect on how my day goes, specifically with my wife and my kids. What could I have done different if I did something or something occurred that could have been handled differently? And how can I make it better the next day? And that's hard. That's the hardest thing to do because um, because we're, we're human and it's our family and Sometimes we, you know, we lose our temper or we didn't handle that situation right with wife or kids. And if, if you, if by reflecting, it gives you a second chance because then you can go back and ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. acknowledge, say that you're sorry. And if you do that with your kids, it is enriching, it's empowering uh, and with your wife. That is so um, good, man. I, I, I uh, in the '90s, a guy named Tony Campolo did a survey. He surveyed uh-huh. <clears throat> 50 people who are 95 and older, and he asked uh-huh. them if they can go back and relive their life. Excuse me, hold on. <clears throat> what would they do to change it? And they had three things. Overwhelming three things. The first one was they would resolve to risk more, which is what we're talking about. Uh-huh. They would resolve to leave a legacy. So do more things that lived on after them, and they would take the time to reflect on their life. Isn't that funny? We're talking about yeah. two of the three things, <laughs> just you and I just shooting the breeze here. I think that's yeah. so interesting. I keep going back to John Wayne, man. So, <laughs> life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. So so let me think. of let's, let's try to come up with another quote that would start like that. So life is hard. It's harder if. So finish that sentence. I can go first if you want me to. But, no, I can go first. Okay, life is hard. It's harder if you don't respect your wife. Oh, oh, you're gonna have to explain that one. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying, explain it. No, no. Oh, I can explain. <laughs> I can explain that. Well, if you go hunting too many days. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, here's here's the the social explanation. Um, if you don't respect your wife she's going to make your life miserable. You know, that's what people say, Yeah. you know, but the reality is you're making your own life miserable because you're disrespecting your wife. And like God says in in the Bible, you know, love your wife, like Jesus loved, loves the church. Yeah. Um, And that was like one of my big moments where I was realizing I wasn't doing that. And that's when I started. That's when I became a man, when I started realizing that. You know what? And, That's so funny. I, I'm interrupting you. That's so funny because sorry. I became a man at 28 years old when I realized I needed to outlove and outserve my wife. When I realized my job in life was to make her better, and not me. Yeah. Uh, that that was transformative. And so you realized it. How old were you? Ooh, that's going to be embarrassing. Uh, 39, 38. Wow. So just the last decade or so, right? Yeah. And it's honestly, it's a lot of it. Most of it is because what my wife did for me is because she did that to me. She loved me unconditionally and also uh, gave me that spiritual support and guidance 
to um, to define find my faith again. She, uh, we were both raised Catholic, hardcore Catholic on her family side. I was raised Catholic. I was an altar boy. I fell away from it because of you know my mom died when I was ten, um, and Whoa. I was still faithful. I was still I, my family thought I was going to be a priest. I thought I was going to be a priest, and then a the priest? day before. A priest? Yes, I was. Oh, dude! I was deep in the faith, Catholic. And that then part's the awesome before, to me. I didn't know you were going to be a priest. Yeah, I was. That was where I thought I was going. My family thought so too, and I lost it all because the day before I was, the night before I was supposed to be confirmed, my dad, who was anger angry, told me how my mom really died. She, we were under this assumption she died from pneumonia, but she didn't. Uh-huh. She died from an overdose of drugs. Oh man, she was, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, it's you know, I've trust me, I've I've come to terms with that and and um and so she was living in California, my parents had been separated, and at that point, at that point right there, I lost my faith. Uh why would God let this happen? After all the praying I've wow. been doing, all the faithfulness that I was, everything that I've been doing, why would God let this happen? And it wasn't until um Susan was able to look, she looked, she, she stepped out of the Catholic church. That was her heavy background. She found Pepsi. She found, which is uh, Parker Parker. Evangelical Presbyterian church. Correct. Not the cola. Um, (laughs) Not the Pepsi cola. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She found uh, the church Pepsi and thought that what they shared about the word and the community that they had there of support would be beneficial for me. And she brought me there and it wasn't Catholic. So that was huge for her. And that was this first step that got me, that had me going in the right direction. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's because of how she loves me that that is how I should have been loving her. And I do love her now. And, and and has brought me to faith again. You know what's so funny? Um, I'm going to encourage you and our listeners to go to podcast number 68 with Pat Farrell. 68. Pat Pat said the exact same thing you said. He said his yeah. wife taught him how to love. And I I, I yeah. think if we are honest, I think a lot of us could say that because because they understand what they need more than we do, and they express it to us, and they teach us what that means. And then your but your wife went over and above. She actually modeled it for you, mm-hmm. man. That's yeah. your wife is Magnum. I need to meet her. You I think I met her once. I might have met her once, but it was not like in a conversation. It was just like a meeting thing. But um, that's that's amazing, man. So we need to. You said respect your wife. I'm gonna, but but you answered it a little bit differently. So I would say life is hard. It's harder if you don't love your wife. Like, yeah, that's really a good love way. your wife. So. Man, that that is so true. And I, I'm going to add mine, and Dale, I'm going to let you add one too. I'm going to say life is hard. It's harder if you don't do hard things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's so easy. I mean, honestly, you could you know you got a great job. You could take your job, and you could probably do that thing with your eyes closed. You don't have to hug 20 kids a day to stay tenured. You know, you can just cruise control. But you have said, I'm going to do the hard things. I'm going to. I'm going to do the things that make life matter and make a difference. And I think it's so easy to coast. It's just so easy. I I hate 
I've got to go pick up the elk I shot. I had to take it to a butcher because guys in Oregon won't let you hang their the meat. They make you butcher. They make, anyway. So I got to go pick up this elk today, and I've got a, a buddy of mine. I'm going to go on a hike with. I don't want to go on a hike. The weather's bad. I'm not feeling it. But this guy really uh, is wanting to get back into shape, and so I'm going to go on a hike with this guy. That's a hard thing. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm going to drive down yeah. an hour away, and I'm going to go watch my girl. My son is dating a girl. She's on the volleyball team for Western Oregon University. So we're going to go do that, which means Sweet. we'll get home until 10 o'clock at night. Then it's up at 5 in the morning. This is not fun or easy. It's just what we do. We're men. You know? And so uh, I should say it's fun. It is fun. It'll be fun to hang out. So, Dale, what do you think? Life, John Wayne quote. Give me a John Wayne quote. Life is hard. It's harder if. Well, you, you know me. If you don't watch your diet, no relational. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Peter, I'm sitting across from a Oregon version of McCusker. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Seriously, it's it's yeah. scary. It's Life scary. Those is, two in a room is scary. Is harder if you do it alone. If you do it alone. Yeah. You know yeah. what, Peter? I bet you yeah. if you were, I don't know, bro. I don't know about you, but I know that if you and I were going to go hunt caribou on the tundra. Now I would pack a, my 44 uh, Magnum with yes. my bow. However, bro, I'm honest. I'm going to be really honest with you right now. I don't think I would do a caribou tundra hunt if I had to go alone. I don't. I wouldn't do it. I know I wouldn't do it. First of all, it wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't be able to get. I don't think I'm in a place where I can get all the meat out myself. And quite honestly, if things go bad, I don't think I could do it without somebody there. I don't know. Would you do that hunt alone? You might. You might do it alone. Um. I would do it alone with a satellite phone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, because it's you, you all can relate to this. When you have kids, all of a sudden it changes. Yeah, I'm going to free scale that uh, 100-foot drop-off uh, um, mountainside. Oh, wait, now I have kids. Yeah. Nah, I think I'll pass on that because I want to see them grow up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good, man. Life is hard. It's harder if you don't have relationships. Oh, man. Oh, Dale is telling me, bro, we are we are out of time already. Oh, I knew this was gonna happen. Oh <laughs> man. Okay. Well, you know, Peter, I'm gonna have you back on, man. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna maybe what we'll do next year, bro, is when we're in Colorado hunting mule deer, we'll do a podcast yeah. from Colorado, like in the uh, mountains. Yeah. What are we experiencing? Something like that. That'll be super fun. So, sure. man, uh, hey, I appreciate you coming on our show and taking the time out of your busy schedule as a principal. We probably cost you five or six hugs this morning. And so for that, uh, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I'll go make up for it. It's pretty easy. All right. Hopefully, uh, I just pray your pants won't rip. And so that will <laughs> that would be a bad deal, man. So, hey, thanks so much for coming on our show and, uh, and helping to uh, ex- help our men in the arena. Hopefully, some of these guys are going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take some more risks. I'm going to love my wife more. Uh, I'm going to do some things that will make me the best version. So anyway, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Make sure you uh, share our podcast with your buddies. Write a positive review, and we'll do a drawing and give you some swag. Give us your input. Are there any topics you'd like to hear about? If you think you're man enough to handle the MCP or you have a friend who you'd recommend, let us know. We want to help you guys. You guys in the arena, we want to help you become the best version of the man that you've been called to be. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, go ahead and uh, download our free The Great Hunt for God app. You can communicate us, communicate with us through clicking on the Contact Us icon. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Hey, guys, get in the arena, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? 
you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of The Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com. You will also find our five-book man card series. Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported, non-profit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to The Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download the Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of the Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.